Hour two of Canuck Central, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw in the Kintech studio. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Uh, this text, are you sure Arizona is actually worse? <laughs> y- yes, I'm sure. I, yes, I'm, are, I'm, quite, I'm quite sure of yes. that. I'm quite sure of that. Yes. Arizona might be one of the worst assembled hockey teams I've ever seen. Yes. They're not good. Like, it's on purpose. I get that. But, yeah, they're they're a really bad hockey team. And they beat the Leafs. They did. They did. (laughs) Which isn't that hard these days, apparently. Yeah. Although, uh, they did lose a game and Sheldon Keefe didn't uh, just completely obliterate his entire roster. So, (laughs) progress in, in that sense. Um. A lot of interesting text, though. 650-650 on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox for our live listeners. You can also listen on podcasts. That's where you can find Hour 1 of the show. We had a uh, chat with Irfan Gafar on what management is up to and all of the things that they may be doing. Mm-hmm. After what they've seen so far this season, much of it not that good. And uh, our take on last night, Carolina, and what the next steps are, what that breaking point might be for the Vancouver Canucks and this management team. Uh, An interesting question coming in here. So in your opinion, how confident are you in the coaching dynamics for the Canucks? We lose Brad Shaw and all of a sudden the PK falls apart again, or is this all on the players, unsigned texter. Well, the players are adamant. They're not doing anything different on the PK than they were doing last year under Bradshaw. Yeah, Boudreaux has said that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're doing the exact same thing, now could you make the point that Bradshaw was such a good coach and he was so good at it that he could find solutions and answers better and which helped him out and stuff like that? Fair fair point to make. It's just not executing, though. The execution, it comes down to execution more than anything else. (laughs) You know, they're getting scored on the first 15, 20 seconds of every power play that they do get scored on. Trust me, they don't practice getting scored on. And it happened again yesterday. You know, when Bick and I were doing the intermission, he pointed out that Curtis Lazar just overcommitted on Brent Burns and just opened a wide open passing lane through the seam for them to get the puck over to Svechnikov. They executed a lot better in the second period, and it showed. They killed a couple of penalties off, got the Bronx cheer from the crowd. And... It essentially took them putting their best players out on the ice, at least their best forwards, right? Who was killing that, those penalties? It was Pedersen. It was Bo Horvat. It was JT Miller. And here's a reality that the Canucks have right now. Elias Pedersen's their best penalty killer. I know you might not want to have him on the penalty kill all of the time, but he is your best penalty killer. So... You're going to have to deal with that at some point. And where they are now, needing wins as quickly and as as, as often as possible, like, yes, have Elias Pettersson out there on the penalty kill as much as you can Yeah, you can, because he's your best killer. He has been good, but at the same time, like, they need guys to win their face-offs as well. Pete's you know? been better in the he's dot He's been this better, year. but not great. No. You know, like, they, I mean, that's the biggest thing, too, that like your personnel isn't winning you face-offs enough on the PK, and that's a problem. You know, at least if you win a draw and you get the puck down the first time and you buy yourself 20, 30 seconds and, you know, it goes a bit easier. Instead, even when they win the face-off, they can't get the clear. Well, so. you saw it with, in the first goal the other night against Buffalo. Yeah. You know, OEL doesn't get the puck out. Next thing you know, ends up in the back of your net. And it's like, what? Yeah. So, 
uh, on the coaching part of that question, though, you know, defensively, this team hasn't been very good. They have some things to iron out because of the injuries. The personnel is even at more of a disadvantage than what it would normally be. And we know it's not quite good enough, even when they are at full health as a team, they don't defend well either. JT pointed that out when he was asked about Carolina last night, you know, the whole, well, what makes their defense group so good? Well, they defend as a team, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't, didn't, didn't even like flinch. They defend as a team. Uh, I, I was speaking with Tyler Myers after the game and he was talking about, you know, like, Hey, we're, we're going through some changes and, you know, last year we were doing some things that we don't really felt, we didn't really feel were sustainable. And so we're, we're trying to implement some new things that we think will help us in the long run. I found that interesting, mm-hmm. tried to follow up on it, sat and, Basically, Myers just said, look at the group on the other side and you'll understand a little bit more. Um, And then I kept going in it and talked about the second period when the Canucks had their best period of the game, Mm -hmm. in my estimation. Not a lot happened, but I think that's kind of what they were hoping for in that second period. Uh, I think Natural Statric had it as one high danger chance at five on five for either side. And that's when Myers sort of opened up a little bit about what he liked about that second period. Here's what Tyler Myers had to say about the second period and how the Canucks played and what made sense about that. Low event hockey is is good. Um, you know, it's... It's not cracking, not trying to open things up because you're not seeing a ton of scoring chances. It's playing the same way no matter if you're up a goal, down a goal, tied hockey game. It's about it's about doing the same thing over and over again, wearing the other team down and doing it consistently. So I think that while it might seem like a, uh, a nothing quote, Sat, it spoke volumes to me just because of the larger conversation around the team the habits, players not doing what they need to do to get the job done. And the way Myers put it, not cracking, doing the same things over and over again, when scoring chances aren't coming your way, you're not cheating and breaking from Mm -hmm. your plan in order to try and make something happen. You just keep working and... You wait for the opportunity to open up. You wear the opponent down. You make them be the one to break, not you be the one to break. And that's essentially what Carolina does to a lot of teams. Yeah, and they're just a really good team. But the thing that stands out to me the most about why they're good, they have a clear identity and they build around it. And I think the perfect embodiment of that is looking at Jalen Chatfield. How many teams around the league do you think Jalen Chatfield can play those minutes for? Not many. And that's crazy to say because they're a good team, and we're sitting here saying that there aren't many teams that Jalen Chatfield will fit into. And that's but not he fits be, what they want to do because they're they're a straight line team. Get the puck, get it out, dump it in, chase. We got speed. They defend really well, and you know Chatfield's good at defending. He's good at, at skating the puck out. He's good at dumping it in. So when you look at playing that style, he's a real good player in that sense. So 
I, I, I just look at it and I'm like, there is a lot more there. Yeah. It's like, you know, how do you implement uh, analytics, you know? <laughs> and, and hey, Carolina, they've got uh, everybody's favorite, uh, Eric Tulski, uh, as part of their front office, right? And it, it's not so much about, like, hey, look at this guy. His scoring chance differentials are great. And, hey, look at that guy. His, his shot differentials are, are good. He's... He's a much better player than than what you might think. It's no more in the the minutia as you put it. Like now this guy defends pretty well. He is able to skate the puck out of his own end. The numbers show us that he can do these things well. It's more like micro things, right? Micro stats, and then saying, yeah, that's the type of player that fits into our roster and what we want to do, and. Part of the reason the Canucks are so deeply flawed in their build construction, and I think this goes back to the previous management group, is every year it seemed like they wanted to do something different. Oh, we want to be more physical. Oh, yeah. we want to have more speed and skill. Oh, now now, now we want to, 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 to be better on the back end, and we want to be a stronger forechecking. And like, it changed every year, yeah. every summer. They, they had like a different idea of what they wanted the team to be, and you can't have that. You have to have your identity and stick to it and put pieces in place that fit what you want that to be for years over years. Have a clear identity with what you're trying to do. And if you have that clear identity, I think it gives you, it gives you an edge. And I think part of what we were looking at, and this is what we talk so much about. Do you know exactly what you are as a team, what you want to be, the structure you want to play with and the style you want to play with? Because if you establish that and identify that and build around that, it makes it so much easier for you to acquire players that fit what you're looking to do. And yeah, and maybe you're able to find a Jalen Chatfield for cheap out of nowhere that fits your team well. And all of a sudden, you had an important player playing for you. And yeah, he's not a top four defenseman. That's not the point I'm trying to make. He's making next to nothing and he fits in on their, on their third pair. Vancouver's made some signings like that, too, over the years. Don't get paid a ton, come in, and they play a decent role for them. Look at Cal Burroughs, for instance. Now, Chad feels, you know, maybe having more success with how that team is playing. He's only a small part of it. I still have my doubts about Carolina with how they play in the postseason and, you know, come trying to win a Stanley Cup and everything. But they're as good of a two-way team as you can find during the regular season. As good of a team in the regular season as you can find with how much pressure to put on ice, how smart they are, and how safe they play their game. It can be a bit boring watching them sometimes, you know, because they're a very simple, straightforward hockey team. But coaches love that stuff. I mean, yeah. Boudreaux was saying last night that he was he had to be careful with not showing too many good clips of Carolina because the team would have no confidence going into the game against them because they don't make a lot of mistakes. They play such a clean game, and they're so good at, good at everything they do. But for you to get close to being what they are, the biggest thing you have to do is identify what you are and build around what you are. And right now, I'm not sure what the Canucks are. You know, they hired Boudreaux. They said they wanted to be a down-low team with Boudreaux. The team talks about structure, better structure, better exits. That hasn't really come to fruition so far this year. So even that for Vancouver has been it hasn't been established yet. Your your identity with how you want to play stylistically yeah. has not yet been established here. There's only so much you can do too with the players you have at your disposal, right? And you know a lot of the the players here have displayed time over time that they don't excel in some of those things that mm-hmm. you would like them to do. You know. I think there's a lot to take from Carolina, not just in the style of play on the ice, but you know, they, they have a clear identity and philosophy in their front office as well. You know, we're not going to 
overcommit to players in their 30s. When guys start to get super expensive, we would prefer not to have to pay them (laughs) in their super expensive years. See you later, Dougie Hamilton. See you later, Vincent Trocek. We'll find and piece together uh, pieces from other, other spots to make the most of that salary cap space that we're now opening up by not bringing you back. You know, they are, they're essentially hockey's version of the, of the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, (laughs) that's what they do. When players start to get expensive, they move on and they find the cheaper replacement. Mm -hmm. Like who are the players they've committed long-term money to like big money? It's Svechnikov really is the only one. Aho. They didn't even sign him to that contract. That was Montreal's doing. They just matched it. And yeah, it walks Aho to free agency, but he's on a bargain of a deal at less than eight and a half million bucks for the player that he is. They signed Jakob Slavin and Brett Pesha to incredibly team friendly deals before, you know, they started to get more expensive. Gave him that sort of long but not super long term security that defensemen absolutely love especially guys that don't profile as big offensive players just everything about the way they are built is smart and I remember when Tom Dundon came in as their owner and was like you know saying all these things that people in the hockey industry were like what's this guy talking about you're not going to be able to do this in hockey and it was like, you know, we, we want to yeah. have a formula of how we evaluate players and stick to that and how we go out and acquire it. And, you know, I thought it was a bit outlandish, too, at times. But I, I, I have to – I don't know how you can sit, look at Carolina and not admire the way their team is built. Even if you ultimately have question marks at about them being a true Stanley Cup contender, like they've built a really strong team, and the way they've done that on the salary cap is truly impressive. It's almost like nobody else is really doing it in the league. No, it's not. And again, I have some questions about like, I, I think sometimes we get caught up in the, Oh, this team is doing this such a great job. Let's try to be like that team. And there's so many different ways you can build your team. And I have questions about that team in the postseason and some of their ambition as much as, yeah, they're trying to be smart about it. At some point you're trying to cut corners at the same time too. And that can get in your way at some point. I guess I just come back to what this team is trying to establish here. It's it's building who you truly truly are as a team, and that's what what this organization has talked about. But are they any closer to that this season? The hope was you get closer to building an, an identity and a system and a structure to what you know Canucks hockey is. I don't yeah. think we're any closer to that this year. That's the overarching one because we can look at Colorado and say be like Colorado. And Colorado hasn't really drafted well outside the top 10, but they've done really well in trades. You can look at Carolina and say, hey, be a smart with team within the margins. There are so many different ways you can improve your team, but all those teams have one thing in common. They knew what they wanted to be and they built towards that. Do we think this management group knows what they want to be? I think so. I'm not sure we know because they haven't you know, really expressed that to us explicitly. The only- Big acquisition they've made is Mikheyev. And he's a what? Two-way player. Yeah. A big, fast, two-way forward, which kind of tells you about 
what they want to be like or what types of players they want to add. And the feeling with Mikhaev was he's the type of player we need, whether it's this year or next year. We have a chance to get him. Let's get him now. That's how they viewed him. You know what I mean? Not as opposed to like, hey, we got to get this guy to put us over the top. That's kind of how they felt about him was my read on it and talking to people with it. But I'm not sure yet exactly what their vision of the team is. But one thing that I'm starting to believe watching this season and watching how everything is going is that Bruce Bruce Boudreaux is probably not the guy to implement that vision for them. Yeah, because I don't know if they're aligned in, with that in, with that vision. Because even still, you hear Boud- you hear Rutherford talk about structure, 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 and teams with good structure, teams that play this way, teams that play that way, and the good structure teams that play a certain way has never been. He what says you it talk so about. much, though. It's like I can't imagine it's just about the coach and how the coach is setting this team up to play. I get there's a bit of a disconnect there, but there's also only so much Boudreaux can do with this roster. They're clearly trying to implement different types of things into this team that have maybe been mandated from ownership, or not ownership, from from the management group. But is it really working? You know, like we've talked about the Canucks playing more man-to-man defensively in their own end. Is that really working for this team? Yeah, and you know what? It's it's so funny you bring that up because I've been really looking at how they're playing. You yeah. know what I mean? And I've, I've gotten pushback on it. It's not just a man-to-man, like more of a hybrid system or whatever. But one thing is clear. They are doing something different this year. And that's sort of what Myers was alluding to in his, in his post-game yeah. availability last night. It's something they think will help them in the long run, but they're having some growing pains with it now. Yeah. And you know, hey, that's part of it, at least. It is part of it. And hey, we've seen that happen sometimes with teams and you're they're trying to get their systems figured out. And next thing you know, they figure it out, they get going. And hey, next thing you know, you're, you're good to go. The problem with this team has been there is no, um, there's no trust with the group over the years. There's no belief in, hey, they're going to figure it out. And the hole is becoming so big already even though it's only been seven games, that there's no belief they're going to be able to turn it around. Sure, there are fans who believe, and they text in, and they call us negative, and I get it. I'm all for it. Like, Sam texts in, and he still believes in the team and thinks Jim Benning was treated poorly, and others are saying, you know, this is too much. You know, they have a lot of games left. And I'm never going to tell fans not to believe or not be excited for their team and not want things to turn around or, or whatever it is. But for the most part, most fans... And I'd say a lot of the media and people looking at it and talent evaluators don't have a lot of faith that this team can pull it off at this stage. Because everything that Meyer says makes sense. Mm-hmm. But we heard the story before about we're trying to do different things. We're going to come together. And then ultimately that coming together is never good enough. Yeah. Well, you know? can, you, can you stick to trying this different thing when you've already pooched the first yeah. seven games of the season? Yeah, Mike and Willoughby. So Travis Green was trying to change the systems last year. Look what happened there. Yeah. You know, at some point, it's kind of like your group is the problem. Yes. You know, and, and that's, and that's kind of the big at. issue. It's like no matter what you do, you're going to end up with some problems here and some issues with your team and, and how they're trying to execute their game. But establishing who you are, to me, is the biggest lesson to take from the good teams in the National Hockey League. You know, you can, you can, do, you can, you can do it differently. Like there are different ways of winning and building your team. But they all have one thing in common, a clear vision of what they want to be. And if you think about Rutherford when he went to Pittsburgh – you know, Mike Sullivan is there as their coach. And yeah, Pittsburgh, they have had a ton of injuries. Like, I, 
this might be the one year where so far they haven't had like Malkin or Crosby out to start the year or whatever, like Latang hurt. You know, they're actually fairly healthy and they look pretty, pretty damn good. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one on Friday night here in Vancouver. But you know, thinking about that team, yeah, they've been able to survive even through their big injury spells, right? Last year, Evan Rodriguez showed up after, you know, in the, at the yeah. beginning of the season when Evgeny Malkin was hurt in years past when they won the cup in what was it 2015 like who was playing big minutes for them on defense like chad ruweedle and and all these guys are like who who's playing defense their number one d-man was justin schultz because so many guys were hurt and they still found a way to get it done now part of that is yeah hey we've got Sidney crosby so you know we're afforded luxuries that other teams aren't really but they played into a system and a structure that everybody understood their jobs and yeah. did their jobs. At the very least, when you have a team that does that, you become a lot more difficult to beat on a night-to-night basis, even if you have a deficiency on talent. And so that's when I hear Rutherford say those things about structure, that is ultimately what I believe he's getting at Yeah, is – if we stick to a structure, we have that structure, then it gives us a chance in more games than we end up losing. Yeah, and and that's why having, you know, and the word identity comes down to the structure and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to be. Yeah. Because if, you, if you, are, you have consistency with how you're playing every single night, that's a constant. Yes. You're constantly playing the same way. You're just doing the same things, and everything, everybody falls in doing the same thing. You build your team around guys that can step in playing your system, and they can fit what you're trying to do. And that makes it so much easier when injuries happen. Mm-hmm. Next man up has an easier time fitting in because if you build your team properly, he's stepping into a position that plays to his strengths. Yeah. You're asking him to do something that he's capable of doing. And hey, you're always going to have injuries. You're always going to have players playing in positions they're in over their heads, and it's going to be costly at times. You've got to find a way to get through it. But to the point that you're, tar- that you're making, you're bang on, when you have that established style of play, Everything is easier to handle. Losing streaks are easier to handle. Adversity is easier to handle. There is a backbone that you rely on. What backbone do we see this team rely on when things go wrong? It's goaltending. Yeah. You know, there isn't just that simple. Like, if you look at the best, the, the, the Canucks best teams in, in recent years and go back to the 2011 teams and the Atlanta Vigneo teams, quick transition teams, up the ice right away, up and deep right away. You know, they didn't, they didn't, you know, as soon as you had the puck, it was, it was up, up ice. And uh, Vigneault used to hate Keith Ballard because he would reset and take forever to get out of his own zone. It would drive <laughs> him nuts, you know, because that's not the defenseman he liked. It was quick, quick, yeah. quick ups on the tape. Let's get it up. Let's pay, play with pace. It was constantly up, up ice, up ice, up ice. And if anything, it was, it was almost kind of like Carolina at times, you know, because it was almost too simple. And people said, man, you guys have so many good players. Like, why is it just a simple, boring AV style of hockey? But the structure was ingrained there, you yeah. know, and it got to a point where maybe some of the creativity got zapped from guys and you needed to change. But what made that team so consistent all the time was they played the same way night in and night out. Well, you have to have a system where and, and there was actually a quote from Barry Trotz today, I think, who was on the Cam and Strick podcast. And they asked him how he coached Alex Ovechkin. And the quote was. Essentially. When you've got the puck, do what you want with it. When we've got the puck, let your creativity show. You be you, Alex. But when you don't have the puck, do what I'm asking you to do. And that's sort of the compromise 
a coach may have to make with his star players because ultimately you want your star players to make a difference in games and be a game breaker. But they've got to do that when you are in possession of the puck. When you don't have the puck, you've got to stick to your structure, mm-hmm. as they say. It's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central.